We're going to see everyone. Uh, why don't we continue? To, for those online, uh, God's blessings to you as well. Uh, today we're going to continue on with uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and uh, the, the true tabernacle uh, that is God with us in Christ Jesus. That is one of the major themes here as we will dwell upon it. Um, but definitely, um, you know, as we, as we live in the world that we live in today, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about the Lord's, uh, what this end times are looking like, I think it definitely does remind us daily how important this faith is for each and every one of us. I think it's always a reminder that how important this word is in the midst of the business that we live because... Uh, yeah, the world is real. Everything that's happening in this world is uh, just another stark reminder of, of the world spiritually groaning and how the world needs the light of Christ. So uh, definitely uh, a constant, I think, uh, for us here in this day and age. Um, anyways, uh, why don't we start with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, uh, for uh, your, your word. Now bless us in... In the good things, uh, that is your sacrifice, your blood shed for us, uh, that uh, through your work, O Lord, you have cleansed uh, us from our unrighteousness, has given us a rested conscience, and through all things uh, you have set us free. Bless us, O Lord, this day. Uh, continue to pray for our world, uh, for peace, uh, for, for right leadership, Lord, for your will to be done. Lord, bless them in your wisdom and and convict and guide them always um, under the care of your word. Lord, we just thank you for this day. May this word dwell within us as we are enlightened, strengthened, and as we are rooted uh, in your word. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, good to see everyone here today. Um, hey, Carrie, how are we doing? All right, so everybody else is but uh, uh, glad everyone's here today. As we continue on, was verse 8 to 14. And um, here, uh, as we uh, rested last week, uh, here we continue on uh, uh, with, uh, I believe, uh, verse... Is it verse 8 that we ended on? Is that... Well, that's what YouTube said. I don't know if... Uh, I mean, not what YouTube said, but that's where we ended based on YouTube, the mark. But why don't we read verse 8 right here for me, uh, chapter 9. By and, this, the oh, Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. All right. All right. Uh, so what we talk about, uh, what does Jesus bring to the table in regards to uh, these very words, the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. Um, can, the, can the Old Testament sacrifices, can that stand alone? Can the Old Testament sacrifices in its very work, can that stand on its own two feet? No, right? Uh, and, and therefore, the Old Testament uh, as we look at it, is always looking forward to uh, the advent of Christ, uh, the new covenant. And, and this is the key here, I think. As we look at the writer, going from the earthly holy place, again, the tabernacle was directed by who or commanded by who? The Lord himself, right? Uh, but yet at the same time, that wasn't the end-all, be-all, but rather this was uh, God's presence with them. 
um, as he would lead them uh, to, the, to the Holy Land, uh, but also, uh, in a sense, uh, would be a place to which uh, a foretelling of what was to come in Jesus Christ. So again, there is a connection here uh, with our faith, in a sense, where the ultimate sacrifice is the one who does grant us this access with God, and that is uh, through our Lord. Uh, verse 9, if someone could read that, verse 9. All right. So, what was the nature of the Old Testament sacrifices? It was uh, to to grant them again um, this forgiveness, this uh, purification, as we would say. Uh, but what is it about the writer here that says what that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper? Uh, So when we talk about conscience, um, what, is, what do we mean by conscience? To perfect the conscience um, of the worshiper. What is the conscience? Anyone? Just in general? Well, the Oh, wow, Jiminy Cricket. Interesting. Um, I th- no, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of it. I don't think I... I did, but it's been a while. Oh, oh, he's the little one. The cricket with, who wears uh, a good suit. Does he wear? See, I remember. Good suit. All right. <laughs> cricket with a good suit. Um, so, so when we talk about with knowing, I mean, conscience, it is really with knowing, knowing ourselves and what this is all about. Now, the conscience has, uh, when we talk about a good conscience versus a, a terrified conscience, what is the difference? What is the difference between the two? Sorry. Conscience. Peace with a good... Okay, so peace versus... Fear. Uh, fear as in... No, uncertainty. uncertainty, right? Because there's fearing the Lord. That's just what I'm saying. Uncertainty, um, the lack of... Lack of... Uh, assurance. Yeah, um, you know, when we talk about a terrified conscience, it is basically a lot of... Yeah, good. Doubt. <laughs> I say question mark, but doubt, right? A lot of doubt, right? Uh, with a good conscience, there is uh, peace. There is what else? Assurance. Assurance, the opposite, yeah. All right. And no doubt. <laughs> That's right. That's right, no doubt. Um, security, right? Um, what type of security? Eternal security, right? Uh, we're talking about good conscience. That means eternal security would be salvation, eternal life, and forgiveness. So what does, 
we, we've read in Hebrews about the Old Testament sacrifices, right? Uh, that they would have to do what? You like that? Yeah, that's right. Repeat, right? Repeat, repeat, repeat. But why is there repetition? Because they were sinners, right? And, and this is what the Lord mandated. But again, this repetition was always looking forward to, to what? It was always looking forward to the advent uh, of the promise of Christ. And yet, when you cut that off, when you just kind of compartmentalize that, um, you are left with an unresolved, terrified conscience. So when we talk about perfecting the conscience, the conscience is basically uh, when we talk about peace, uh, assurance, knowing full well that in faith uh, your sins are atoned for and that you are right with God. Now, if it is based on my own work, can I cleanse my own conscience? But I gave to charity. But it was a billion dollars, Chris. Hypothetical, of course. Not the right charity. Did you give with a good heart? Or was that good enough, right? Why is human merit or human pursuit for a good conscience a fleeting, a fleeting effort? It's well, it's sin. sinful. Yes, it is. Well, there is doubt, and all this is rooted in uh, our flesh, and that is, by nature, we are... Born into sin. And when you talk about, again, I think, did we do this last week about doctrine of original sin? No, that was during some other class, right? I forget. (laughs) (laughs) Did we? Anyways, um, I think it was during instruction class. I I forget. Anyways, uh, when we talk about uh, the doctrine of original sin, we very well know that uh, uh, because of Original sin, what came into the world? Of course, sin and depravity. And basically, we cannot, because of sin and the separation from God, we cannot justify ourselves. And I am writing on the board a lot already. But anyways, we cannot justify ourselves, right? This is what sin brings to the table. So when we talk about the work of, of the Old Testament, if, we, if they're not looking forward, and this is it for the Hebrews... It really does put them in a very precarious position in a sense where their faith becomes about not what is looking forward to Christ or what is Christ for the Hebrews as uh, this is the tension that they're facing, but that um, if they are to revert back to the inferior way, they will be left with great terror. What's the great, greatest terror in your life? Now, I'm not talking about snakes <laughs> or lizards, Mary Woodley says. Yeah, right? Separation from God and the greatest terror is uh, my guilt, my sin, uh, uh, knowing that, wait, how, how a great Buddhist would say, well, how do you know? And they would smile and say, well, we don't. We just, we're trying our best to get there. And, and uh, there's no confirmation of atonement. Confirmation of atonement, yeah. Um, you can never really know, right? If yeah. In the, old, in the old system. Yeah, I mean, again, the old system would always be anticipating what was to come in Christ Jesus, but the tension here is that, you know, the people were just kind of going back. 
and, and say, this is it. And, and no, it, it does not suffice. It is actually Christ, his grace, which is sufficient for us, power made perfect in weakness, right? Uh, and, and this is what gives us or renders us a good conscience in this life of faith, that our sins are atoned for and that our sins are answered for. And, this is, and because of that, uh, this, our Christ, the Savior, is superior. He is superior than what uh, the Old Testament sacrifices could ever give. Again, anticipation, what is to come. Yes? So, if I understand, well, maybe that's not the right way to start it. Anyway, um, we know that our sin has been forgiven once and for all. That we don't have to keep having baptisms, we don't have to, you know, we've been forgiven. When the Hebrews, and I don't mean in this chapter, but Old Testament, Old Testament, yeah, Old Testament issues. When they would go to the temple and offer their sacrifices, they didn't have that assurance that their sins had been forgiven forever, right? So when we talk about the when we. There was a day of atonement and all these things, but what about um, Transfiguration today? Uh, who was there? Moses and Elijah. Why were they there, you think? Because their faith was in who? Right? Everything is looking forward to. So ever since Genesis 3, this is, this is what they were anticipating. So the Old Testament faithful, yes, they were anticipating and looking forward to the coming Christ, that this tabernacling place uh, was a temporary one, an earthly one, but yet one that was looking forward uh, to the ultimate uh, tabernacle dwelling with us, and that is our Lord, right? And that's why when we talk about Christ in the Old Testament, he is there, right? Yes, yes, he is there, and this is what they were looking forward to. So, Again, the Old Testament faithful, like Moses, Elijah, all of them, Abraham, you know, from the promised seed, right? Father of nations. I mean, this all works all in a play as it was in the anticipation of the coming Christ. Again, when we cut that off and say we only believe in the Old Testament, that really does, or only we believe in the New Testament and not the Old, vice versa, you know, then it becomes a totally different in a sense of how we view uh, what the Old Testament was like and what they were believing in. Um, if, again, if we don't believe in the Old Testament, uh, then it kind of shapes us in a different way, too. So uh, definitely they were looking forward. Their faith was uh, looking forward to Christ and what is to come. That's why that first gospel is in Genesis, right? People think, gospel? What do you mean, gospel? Yeah, it's there, right? In, in the beginning, after they fell, right? That's how gracious our Lord is, uh, giving them this promise. Anyways, uh, good conscience. Good question, Marjorie, by the way. Uh, Hebrews 10.22, if someone could read that real quick. This is a good conscience. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. All right. Evil conscience, we are cleansed, right? Sprinkled, right? Uh, and this is a really a great picture. What does it say right there? Um, you know, when we talk about 
uh, our bodies washed with pure water. We're talking about um, a shower. Is that what we're talking about here? Baptism, right? That's what we're going to see today at 1030. Again, it's at the beginning of service. So uh, if you would like to uh, see that, um, the baby, uh, he is so cute. All babies are cute, right? Why do I say that? It's like a, of course, right? But uh, anyways, if you would like to see that, you could always stay for that. But uh, be, this is how we, we draw with full assurance, is with the water that is sprinkled upon us. So, you know, when we talk about a good conscience, it's, it's, it's like Jesus on the transfiguration saying, listen, the Lord saying, listen to him. It's like, yeah, because he is the word that has, has given you the peace that is a forgiveness, not feeling or thought or just kind of an aura, but rather this is the concrete Delivered from an evil conscience by the blood of Christ. And uh, there you rest upon the work that he has given to you in your baptism from the fruits of the cross and his resurrection. Uh, there we have a good conscience. How do you know? And your faith is how you know. Because your faith trusts in the work of Christ and what he has done. If our faith is not in Christ and what he has done, People might call it a terrified conscience or an uneasy conscience or a doubting conscience or whatever, an evil conscience. Without Christ, this is, this is the play. Right? This, is, this is the picture. Right? So uh, when we talk about confidence, when we talk about our conscience, um, if you are going to your works to placate your evil conscience, that's where your faith is. Are you aware of that? Do you, like... Because we do that as humans. I, I think when we talk about conscience, rather than trusting Christ, we, we take out the proverbial scale in our mind and say, well, I'm Glenn. Have I? No, 75, 45. No, that's not 100. 75, 25. <laughs> Sorry, Don. My bad, right? Sorry. my. That's why he's a pastor. Anyway. <laughs> Um, you know, is that, how, is that how we deal with the conscience? Is it just like this, this scale that is bobbing up and down, just kind of like good, bad, up and down, and wondering if we've just kind of gotten there? And, you know, trust me. I, I think that's, if you look at the focus here, the old way is all about imperfect man-based sacrifice. The new way, if you were to, Put Christ up there under good. It's only through Him, and, through. and because we are still sinful and doubtful, we always go back to, "Oh, I got to do something more to help myself." But yeah. If, if your focus is always on, well, it's through God and He's perfect, through Christ and He's perfect. It was His sacrifice that made the connection perfect with God. Then I don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. It's not yeah, good. about more works from me, right? Yeah, that's been that's been pushed aside by Christ's perfect sacrifice, and He's the perfect priest, the perfect intercessor between us and God. Yeah, that's right. Um, Good words, Glenn. That's that's pretty much uh, yeah what should be said. So um, yeah, you know when we talk about uh, a good conscience, and again, you know uh, here we see it. uh, This is this is how or. This is what Christ brings to the, t- to the table for us. We're not, we're not weighing scales here. Uh, because if we are, even coming to church, that could be a, a good conscience thing for you. Like, 
like our good conscience for coming to church is hearing the words of Christ and being absolved and receiving the gifts. But trust me, our, our other man way or man, um, the human, imper- yeah, whatever Glenn, Glenn said. <laughs> that's, that's the devil doubt, right? Well, it's like I come to church because it, it weighs the scale well. I mean, right. I did it, right? Um, you know, I, I come to Bible study because it weighs the scale well, because that's the good thing to do. Yeah. And in that doing, well, I guess that means I have a peaceful conscience. I checked off all the boxes and my imperfect efforts, I believe, no matter, we don't say it, but that will save me or that will assure me or that will give me uh, uh, the riding the ship uh, from the terrified conscience. And, and that's why I come to church. And, and again, it can, trust me, the devil works in the most subtle way, even saying when you sit at church, like, look, I've done it. Like, I'm here, right? Uh, when in fact, no, we are simply receiving and, and receiving the gifts and, and hearing the words of eternal life and, and of Christ. So a good conscience, right? Baptism, uh, sprinkled. This is, again, is baptism your work? The answer is no, absolutely not. Never will it be your work. But it's God working on you as you receive that very word in this life of faith. Oh, yeah, that's right, the doctrine of original sin. That's why we brought it up earlier, I think. Because, uh, um, you know, people believe that, like, oh, no, 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 no. no we, we wait for uh, this little child to be ready to be baptized when they are ready to give their life to the Lord or make a public commitment to their, to their life in Christ. And for us, it's like, if we know original sin, no, we are, we are dead in sin. We cannot make decisions or commitments or get... If I had to make a commitment to the Lord, uh, following Him by my own commitment, I'm... <laughs> I'm terrified. I mean, let's be honest here. Like... Nancy, great, faithful, Tina, great, but even them, right? And everyone else, of course. Uh, Even commitment, how far does that go, right? Um, How far does that go? And that always leaves us, the devil doesn't tell us this, but this is where it leaves us. Just a quick one. If you think about all of this decision theology, If I'm making the decision and I'm deciding, that kind of destroys Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and follow, which is right up on the banner. Faith is the gift of God. That's right. Not every... it's not something I do to earn faith, it's a gift. Well, if it's not a gift, then everything falls apart. Yeah, because every, everyone has faith. I mean, everyone has faith in something, mm-hmm. right? You might have faith in the L.A. Rams. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you might have faith, uh, you know, in a lot of things in this life. It's basically what you trust. Everyone has faith in something, right? Uh, but it's to have the correct faith, the, the faithful faith uh, that is in Christ alone, uh, which we uh, sang this morning during communion. I mean, we all have faith that... Uh, Chris plays beautiful music, right? I mean, that's a bar none fact, right? <laughs> but, no, it, it really is. 
of Barna, in fact. But, um, but even then, you know, our faith uh, is always in, in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is where, that's why we hear this very word. When we start going down decision th- theology path, where does your faith reside? Yourself. Yourself. How, how, how peaceful is that? No, right? There is no, because the devil will accuse, and he's got you, because he knows your sin. It's only Christ, right? Transfiguration, he was there after the Lord spoke. Christ alone was there in their midst, Christ alone. Um, anyways, uh, okay, uh, okay, so after the good conscience, uh, why don't we um, proceed? Uh, yes? Yeah, it's, it's basically like the, um, uh, the Old Testament to the New, kind of the passing over the torch, okay. you know, to the Old Testament patriarchs and, and the faithful. A picture of, it's almost like uh, Exodus to Exodus. Exodus, OT, new, NT, Exodus, that Carl Lewis to um, whoever his teammates were back in the Olympics. Anyways, <laughs> I remember. That one, it was in Korea. So that's why I remember that one. I remember that. That was a big... Oh, there was a recent one in Korea, too. That's right. Anyways, um, I should remember that. Anyways, um, well, that was... Actually, that was... Yeah. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> Just imagine being my kids. Mm. Anyways, verse 10. Verse 10. <laughs> Chapter 9, verse 10. So it's only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. All right. So again, what are, what are these? You know, we're talking about human, human pursuits for washings and food and drink and laws, dietary laws, what they are to drink, clean and unclean. Um, how they, you know, even talk about uh, the purification jars at Jesus' wedding at Cana. You know, all this stuff. It's all, it's all human pursuit of cleansing, right? Uh, and atonement and perfection, right? This is, this is their dealing, and, and how far could that go, right? Uh, for the body imposed until the time of the Reformation, and that Reformation is, well, as we see next here, is Christ, Right? Um, and uh, this, is, uh, this is how far this food and drink can go. The various washings, they don't go. The, those alone cannot save you. It's always looking forward to the washing that is in the rebirth of Christ in the water and word, right? This is, this is that anticipation. So uh, here in verse 11, as we continue, uh, someone could read that for me. Verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good thing, through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. Oh, yes. Uh, so, so when we see right here uh, in, in verse 11, uh, when Christ appeared as a high priest, what are the good things? What are the good things of Christ? What would the world say about the good things of Christ? The world, just the world. If you were on an episode of Jaywalking on Jay Leno, uh, what would... Uh, 
I don't remember jaywalking. He's in kindness to fellow human beings. Yeah, I mean, it's moral teachings. I mean, it's those are those are good, right? Mm -hmm. But what are the 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 rooted good things that he gives? Salvation, salvation, right? Like eternal, concrete. It is finished salvation, not. Well, we were doing all these things in the Old Testament, and we're, well, I guess we just have to repeat that over and over again, and hopefully we'll get there. No, this is all fulfillment. That is Jesus coming to the table and answering for their sin, right? So the good things, the good things are, um, you know, uh, is the blood of Christ that is forgiven, that forgives you of all your sins. Um, the good thing is that even death can't overcome you. Uh, and the good thing is that your, your house is prepared for you or your room is prepared for you by our Lord Christ and his death and resurrection, right? These are the good things, a good conscience. How do you know that you're a child of God? <clears throat> All by the blood of Christ, his work. How do you know that you're grafted in his name all by the water and word that he has gifted to you, not by your human reason or strength, but by his gift through this faith in the power of God's word. There he has connected you to his death and resurrection, Romans 6. And that is your good conscience. These are the good things. Now, why do we have to hear this time and time again? We know what we're dealing with in our sin. Do we still deal with the old Adam, our old flesh, our old man? Yes. yes, right? Until the end of time, we're continuing to, what, wrestle with the new, at, the new man and the old, old man. And those are continually at odds with each other. And in that life of faith, what are the words that we need to hear? The words that deliver us, knowing full well with knowing that we are good, all by the blood of the good Lord Jesus Christ, who has made you righteous. Right? How easy is it to revert, as we see in the Hebrews, and for us? How is it easy? How easy is it to revert back to this morality scale of I need to deal with my conscience? How easy is that for us humans? Let's be honest here. And when we do something sinful, we're like, okay. I'll just be better next time, or I'll, I'll just. Well, we, we don't go to repentance and forgiveness. We just go to the, uh, the morality scale and say, I'll just, yeah, I'll, nah, it was not, or we might say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, it could be worse, right? Uh, but in fact, no, this is, we can't shield ourselves from, from what is really happening in our sin, right? And, and this is the picture of the good things of God, that he does give us the, what does it, it say right there? Then through the greater and more perfect tent or tabernacle, the presence of God with us, not with made by human hands, that is not of this creation. Uh, what he means here is that um, what God gives is far superior than any human hand. Right? Um, I think, you, you know, when, when we talk about the Hebrews bringing something to the table, you know, following these Old Testament sacrifices... Uh, and, and even for us, you know, uh, using our human hands as if we can uh, placate our, our conscience by doing all these things, when in fact, no, we have the greater and perfect word, and that is the word that tents with us or tabernacles with us, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Uh, and, and this is, again, the good conscience. Um, 
Oh, I believe in God. I'm a good person. <laughs> you know those faces. Yeah. They're in your soul. You're like, oh, 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 oh. Right? Terrified, right? Um, and, uh, <laughs> sorry, I did not plan that, uh, of course. Uh, but, again, this is, this is the greater tent, right? This is, this is our Lord. Uh, because who is he? Again, through the blood of Christ, verse 12, if someone could read that. <clears throat> he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. All right. Attained um, or securing, uh, we see right there, not by animals around him. It's not like, oh, you know, the high priest, you know, Day of Atonement, let's, let's bring in the sacrifices, sprinkle the blood there uh, in the most holy place of the Holy of Holies. Uh, do you think that's what Jesus did? <laughs> like, let's, hey guys, um, bring an animal to me and I'll, I'm the true high priest, so I'll sacrifice the animal and, and, and there your sins will be forgiven. No. Jesus him, himself, right? This is what it means to be a high priest. This is the superior gift. It's not in the blood of goats and animals, right? Uh, or, or calves. Uh, but by means of his own, his own blood, right? And this is why he is greater, the fulfillment. Um, and this is where your good conscience comes from. Securing salvation for you. Secure. What does secure mean? What does secure mean? Obtain, right? That it is, you know, um, you know, always... Obtain without doubt. Without doubt, right? It's like, uh, it's like um, you know, the ultimate fort that you make in the midst of a disaster. Like, you know, I know there's forts out there underneath the ground somewhere. In some way, shape, or form. But people make these forts or these, uh, these protections, these, these fortresses. And when we talk about secure, your security, you know, at night, you know, what do you do every night before you sleep? You walk around the house. Sliding door, locked. Up and down window, locked. I checked the lock on the door too many times. Is that locked? That's locked. And then, I, oh, I forgot. I forgot to check the outside Locking door, and I open that one, and then I go back in. Oh, that's and my kids are like, "Dad, it's locked." I'm, I'm just trying to make sure it's secure, right? Uh, because that's what keeps us safe at night, right? And when we talk about Jesus, what is his? What is his security for you? It's yeah, it's his blood again, the greater redemption, and that gives you the security, knowing that there's no doubt that your sins are forgiven because they are, right? Uh, and this is, this is the temptation of, uh, of man is, uh, no, there's more, right? When it goes back to baptism, it's like, no, I want to play a part because there's more. When in fact, no, this is what God does securing you in that very word. This is where your faith trusts. Not in what you want to add in or what you want to feel or experience, but rather what he has done for you. This is where your faith trusts. Because if, if, we're, if there's any additive to, that, to his work, as if we can add something, there it becomes very, what's the word? Very shaky, diluted. Much doubt will happen. And there we have a terrified conscience yet again. 
right? So here we see again, securing an eternal redemption. Okay, verse 13, verse 13 and 14. Yeah, so I mean, you know, when your kids were growing up, I know some of your kids are still young, but as they grow up, what do you always tell them every day? You say, go take a shower or bath, right? Go take a shower, right? Because you need one, right? And, and here we see this washing of, uh, we talk about the heifer right here. Uh, this is, um, again, uh, uh, a picture of when they were to touch Oh, sorry, I didn't put the reference here, but it's in the book of Numbers, I believe, uh, where if they had touched something dead or unclean, uh, they, would, uh, they would need to do this. Oh, Numbers 19, sorry. Uh, from the ashes of a heifer that was mixed with water, there they would clean themselves from touching what is unclean or touching what is dead. Uh, and again, this was an, I guess as we look at it, an outer cleansing, right? Yet... That would, again, that would not resolve the, what's the word, the true inner battle that we have in our soul, and that is of our, of our sin. So right here we see how much more, right, the outer cleansing versus the complete total, total cleansing of the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, how is Jesus described, without blemish. So they would buy the animals when they got there. Well, probably, now you can see this happening, and you can just imagine it happening, but probably the price you paid for the animal was in direct proportion to the quality of the animal. But it was still imperfect. So the sacrifice itself wasn't up to God's standards. You know, it, it's, and you're right, it's like, um, who shops for produce here? Raise your hand. I mean, what do you do with produce? You, especially fruit. Apples. Avoca- avocados, big one to me. That's the big one I love. Me and Elliot are like, me and him are like the same, you know, me and Elliot. But you can't tell. Avocados? You, you, you're right. Some of them you can't tell. Unpredictable, right? Bad, bad example. Sorry. But the point is, is that... Uh, <laughs> but... Less dense, less blemishes, you know. We're, we're always looking and saying, no, blemish, bad, I'm not going to take that one. Blemish, bad, apple, mold, strawberry on the bottom of the carton. You see the little hair coming up? You know what I'm talking about. Blackberries, too. Blackberries are tough. Because the blackberries are the tough ones. Because they hide in the little... Sorry, sorry, I don't know. Back to Hebrews. But the point is, is that, you know, when we talk about, uh, uh, when we talk about blemishes, you just never know. When we talk about Jesus, you know he's perfect. So without blemish means he is sinless, that he is holy, that he is God. 
And because of that, why is that comfort, comforting to you in terms of his sacrifice? Because without blemish, it is only without blemish that the perfect sacrifice can declare to you that you are righteous in the sight of God all by the blood that was shed for you. Right? So your faith is in the Christ who is without blemish. He's not just another goat or calf that was sacrificed at Calvary. No, this is the all-atoning perfect sacrifice, right? What's the result? Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So that means dead works that is without faith, right? Uh, That everyone can work, but without faith, they are considered dead. Now, why is that important? Because a lot of people will say about anyone in the world, well, they're a good person, and when I, talk, when I look in the mirror, I'm like, well, I know what I come from, and the only way I'm good is by the one who is without blemish who died for me, right? And this is the picture of, uh, of, of what our Lord brings to the table to serve the living God. So I didn't even look at my notes today, but uh, we see right there, um, you know, uh, when we talk about serving the living God with faith, how does that look for you guys? Are you, are you still trying to scale it out? I mean, is your life full of scale where, uh, you know, Tina and Jennifer, um, I was telling Jeff how hard it is to teach uh, before, before service because I do these videos all the time. I'm like, Jeff, I'm like so exhausted after doing all these. I can't imagine how it is to be a teacher. I think you two are, I don't want to, yeah, you, yeah, I mean, how tiring it is, right? Uh, but when we talk about serving in our daily vocation, what is that for? Why do we do that? What's the point? Oh, sorry. Uh, Carrie, you too. You teach constantly. I know, I know you're, you're exhausted after a long day, but, but what, what is the point of serving the living God? Why, how do we do that? What is the motivation? To please him. To please him, okay, to follow his word. But, and to live as his son. Yeah, he's an example for us, and we should strive to follow in his, in his example. Yeah, yeah. I mean that we're any good at it, but, you know, don't stop trying. But the motivation is key in a sense where you are serving the Lord covered by the blood of Christ, not to be covered by the blood of Christ, right? And again, when we talk about the works of the old, it was like, we have to do all these things, all the cleansing rituals, all the dietary, we've got to follow all this and then we will be cleansed. No, you are already cleansed by the blood of Christ. So how does that transform your work on a day-to-day basis? That means you don't have to scale it out anymore. You're not trying to even out the the good and bad, or you're not trying to work for a peaceful conscience in the midst of terror, right? Uh, How does serving in the Lord, how does that look now? To be grateful? Yeah, to be grateful, to be thankful, right? To serve joyously, right? In the love of Christ, uh, because your eternal security is here for you in the redemption of, of Christ's blood, Right? So when we talk about uh, serving the Lord, um, is there the old Adam there trying to say, no, I want to serve myself? Of course there is, right? <laughs> you know, of course there is. But when we look at this word in the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins, it's like, what a great joy this is, right? Uh, 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 and, and therefore, as we look at our notes, it is my duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey him, Right? Uh, Through the sacrifice of Christ, we have been set free from sin, death, and the power of the devil. Therefore, with a purified conscience, we serve the Lord. Not with with dead works. That is without faith. 
Because without faith, what, are, what, is your, what is your quest? It is to trust in your works to purify your conscience. And no matter how hard we try to do that, we are left with not only dead works, but with a terrified conscience, right? We see right here uh, in our closing, oh, we're so late. First, the purity of conscience. This is Luther. This means that a man is not bitten, right? It's like so serpent-like. By the recollection of his sins, an evil conscience is caught and troubled between sin committed in the past. For since it cannot change a sin committed in the past and in any way avoid the future wrath, it cannot escape being distressed and troubled no matter where it turns. That's the evil conscience. Nor is it freed from the difficulties except through the blood of Christ. And if it looks at him through faith, it believes and realizes that its sins have been washed away and taken away in him. So, again, uh, the recollection, recollection of sins from the past. Does the Lord forgive us for those sins? The answer is yes. But there are moments in our conscience where we might say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world, but I'm not quite sure if he died for that sin. And here we see that reminder that, yes, he did. And you have a peaceful conscience all by his all-atoning work, his sacrifice. And, and, and this is the key. For without the work of Christ, we are left in our sins. And that's the bottom line, right? And, and this is why we continue to preach this very word, because there we find our peace, and also, as we can never forget, to serve the living God, but to serve him faithfully in what it means to serve, right? Because if works save you, then your work becomes very self-serving. Your works, we're already there. Eternal timeline is here right now. So the opportunity you have to serve is of great significance because you're already measuring up by the blood of Christ. And that should definitely give you the freedom as a Christian to live joyfully serving God in his name to where he has placed you in your life. Uh, and what a great joy that is, all through the forgiveness of sins, the redemption. All right, let us, let us continue, uh, let us conclude there uh, today. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Bless us, O Lord, in the redemption. And Lord, through all things, without blemish, you were sacrificed to give us the forgiveness of sins and the peaceable conscience, knowing that through your work, uh, we have been set free. Bless us, O Lord, this day, and lead us, O Lord, in your peace. Grant us great joy and gladness in the gospel that you give. We thank you, O Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.